0: So, um, as most of you are aware, uh, I shared with you back in August that um, I'd be taking a sabbatical and the express purpose was to find out how to, how to go forward as a church and uh, as a team and as a family. And so we, we spent three months doing that and uh, it was, uh, the first month was rocky. Pam and I had a tough time, kind of button heads. We didn't know what to do with ourselves, getting in each other's way and you know how that is. Second month got a lot better, got to go to California and do some surfing, and uh, third month was even better. We went to Costa Rica. It's like, wow, never thought I would have done that. And uh, so I have a lot of stories to tell about that, but I I really want to just kind of get into what God has shown us over the past few months. And I want to start with uh, the theme that Pastor Kevin set, which I think is brilliant to kick off the Christmas season, it's um, Reverence for the Manger. Isn't that a cool title? Reverence for the manger, and so my portion this morning is new beginnings, new birth, new beginnings, and uh, I just want to acknowledge something that we all know and all have seen and um, are saddened by, But, but the fact is Christmas around the world in so many places has been reduced to something that's ridiculed and mocked, you know, what's with this virgin birth and it's just craziness. Or uh, if it's not that, then it's um, turned into this fluffy, pink, angelic child surrounded by bunnies and butterflies and unicorns, you know. And uh, neither of those really inspires reverence when you consider the manger. When you think about the fact that God became an embryo and chose to gestate for nine months in the womb of a teenage girl. And then he was born in conditions that would make most of us weep. And there was nowhere else to lay him for his mother Mary except in a feeding trough. Now, if that doesn't inspire reverence, when you think about the creator of the universe stepping out of the glory of heaven into a broken, fallen planet to join us in our misery, I don't know what will. God took an amazing step toward reconciling us to Him when He did that. That ought to inspire reverence for us. I mean, this is God Almighty. But we need a good working definition. And, um, you know, the word reverence appears in a lot of places in the Bible, but uh, there's one spot that I love. is Psalm 130, verses 3 through 5. Okay, here's what the writer says in Psalm chapter 130, verses 3 through 5. If you, Lord, kept a record of sins, Lord, who could stand? But with you, there is forgiveness, so that we can, with reverence, serve you. I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in his word, I put my hope. See, what I like about that definition is that it juxtaposes two Very opposite sides of God. It declares that if, because of our sin, we try to stand before him, we have not a chance that God, if he chose, could usher us into a lifetime of wrath, disaster, judgment, and lostness. But he chooses instead to offer forgiveness. We could be lost forever and really just having the most miserable experience imaginable, or we can walk in a life of hope and glory and joy and a future with him forever. And he chooses this over that. We should say, oh my gosh, thank you. (laughs) I I have an illustration. Of course, no Alex sermon would be complete without a surfing illustration. So um, I want to show you something. First of all, the definition for reverence, it means to fear, to honor, respect, to stand in awe. And sometimes that word fear throws us off because we know that the Bible teaches you shouldn't be afraid of God. But let me give you a um, a little bit of an analogy. The, The ocean, for instance, is absolutely essential to the survival of planet Earth. Salt water purifies everything that goes into it. It creates the, the moisture and the weather systems that keep the planet watered. The ocean could be a very friendly, soothing place to be, or it could be an absolute nightmare. So there's this place in um, Portugal called Nazaré. It's a little beach town on the coast. It was just discovered, and uh, they believe that the largest waves ever in the history of man have been surfed there at this place called Nazaré. Um, waves as high, they estimate about 115 feet. Okay, this is real. This is not Photoshop. This is a real person. I've, I've got hundreds of pictures of guys surfing waves like this. Now, in this case, if you have the skill and the, the courage to give that a shot, I would say the glorious experience of the ocean would be something I would always want to do, never want to enough, get enough of, right? It's like, woohoo, this is awesome. However, there's another side to the ocean, isn't there? Yeah, it doesn't always go well. Um, here's a gentleman who didn't quite make it to the bottom. It's kind of fuzzy, you can't tell, but there are tons and tons and tons and tons of water. This, I, I, I saw the video of this, it was a near-death experience. He got held under this wave, he got held under the next wave, and there are jet skis running in and out, trying not to get smashed by the wave, and, in and out, trying to pick him up, he almost died. They had to resuscitate him on the beach, he lived. Okay, so this is, this is why some people say we ought to revere the ocean. It has the capability of giving us the most glorious experience on the planet or our worst nightmare. And if we choose the former, we'll likely have a great time unless this happens to you. It's not that the ocean will destroy you, but it can destroy you, right? So I think that's the same with our Father God. He can exile us to a lifetime in eternal damnation, but he chooses not to. Just because he can doesn't mean he will. So that to me is a good idea. Okay, what does it mean to revere the manger? It means to say, wow, because God sent his son for my forgiveness, my wholeness, to give me a hope in a future, to give me continuous brand new births, brand new beginnings. I love him, but boy, do I know that if he hadn't opened the eyes of my heart, I would have experienced the other side of God, his judgment. So reverence has to have this kind of, this holy awe and fear that we take very seriously but are just absolutely humbled and grateful that if we choose him, he chooses us and we're his forever. So I want to talk about revering what God has done when he sent his son Jesus and, and how you apply that to everyday life. What does it mean to revere what happened there on that day Jesus was born? But I think in an application that we can all relate to, it has to do with trusting the new thing that God is doing in us. If he can do a miracle like give birth to Jesus, he can do miracles among us. Um, While we were on sabbatical, Pam and I, we only came to church once physically, but we watched a whole lot of Sundays. I'm I'm so glad we do live streaming, I'll tell you. The worship alone, I mean, I'm just like going ah, oh, I'm in my pajamas in my bedroom going, ah, like this, you know. I mean, literally, I was just caught up in worship. And then I mean, just to hear the sermons and uh, to see the team just come together, it's been like, this is our church. Wow, I was so impressed. I was absolutely blessed and blown away. I saw Pastor Kevin speak with such authority and confidence. Has he just become a different person or what? Yeah, it's been unbelievable. Um, I watched Ashley and Eric and Ben and Brandon leading worship with such an anointing. And I was just being caught up. I mean, even on the Sundays. I mean, you know, there are Sundays when, eh, musically it's not that great. It just happens. We've all done it. But yet the Holy Spirit is still moving. And because of who you are, you don't ever let that stop you. you just like in all in i'm going this is our church i'm so proud to be a part of this and then we saw marcy just rise to the call as our new children's pastor and uh yeah (laughs) unbelievable and she's got some big shoes to fill you know i don't mean size wise i mean pam wise and uh and yet she's just like taking it on it's really impressive um, I saw a lot of our guest speakers, Jason, Miles, you spoke with such humility when you talked about taming the tongue. And then I saw um, Dana, you know, your, your insights into the word were so fresh and new for Pam and I. We just go, wow, that was so great. I got more about you later. Adrian, of course, in my humble opinion, knocked it out of the park every time. That girl can preach. And uh, then Bakhtiar, how precious was he, right? Uh, yeah, he talked about the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom of heaven. and uh, But he had a better term for it. He goes, you could be stupid or you could be smart. <laughs> I love that. It was so down to earth. By the way, you may not know this, but um, early on when, when Bhaktiar and his family started coming, I had a hard time spelling his name. I couldn't remember it. I couldn't say it. And, uh, you know, a lot of us were having that problem. And uh, we were at a men's retreat or he came by here one day and, and he said, how about this? Just call me Akka. Akka, simple word, simple word. And so we're going, oh, thank you. It's so much easier. So we've been calling him Akka from then on. You know, men's retreat. Hey, Akka this, Akka that. Everybody's just calling him Akka. One day I decided, I got to ask him what that means. So I did. I said, Akka, Bakhtira, what does Akka mean? He goes, it means my king. (laughs) (laughs) That guy is so funny. Now. See, even now, I don't know if he's telling the truth or he's pulling my leg. I have no idea. (laughs) But I've loved just seeing (laughs) the preaching of the word. And, uh, you know, the manger really symbolizes every new thing God has ever done and ever will do. And um, I just have great reverence for what he's doing in and through you nowadays. It's like, (gasps) wow, it has been amazing. And so one of the things, Pam, and I concluded, we, we had, you know, we're asking, how do we... How do we navigate the future? And um, we want you know, several witnesses and confirmations when we're asking big questions like this. And so one of the first ones we really believe the Lord showed us was that we're in the way. You guys are doing so well. If we had not stepped aside to give room for all of you to rise like cream to the top, that would just be the wrongest, dumbest thing on the planet that we could do. So our first conclusion was, wow, why would we put a stop to that? Why would we stuff a cork in this, what God is up to? It would just be wrong. It would be sin, literally. We're just going, God is going, duh, move aside. Stop being such glory hogs. You get, you're having all the fun. Share a little bit. Let somebody else have a turn. So we are going to be stepping down as lead pastors um, in the next couple of months. We're going to take some time. But the best part is we're not leaving RCC. We're staying here. <laughs> We're staying right here. Number one, I can't think of another church I'd want to go to, but what instead of being lead pastor, I'd rather be lead volunteer. How about lead tither? How about lead Sunday school teacher? I just want to do everything I can to make you a success. We're going to sit and be your strongest advocates, your loudest cheerleaders, and say, just go for it. If people are mean to you, just send them to me, and I'll take care of them. <laughs> We are just happy to be a part of what God's doing in this next season. So that was kind of the first indicator that God was uh, saying it's time. Uh, but we needed more. We needed more indicators, more confirmations. And so um, the second question we had is, Lord, what about us? What do we do? I mean, we're, we can show up on Sundays, woohoo, volunteer and do outreach with the rest of you during the week. But what about the rest of our lives? And so trusting him. Reverence for the manger means trusting him to do something new in Pam and in me. I still have to work. I got to make a living, got to pay the bills, and uh, I'll probably be working full-time for another eight or ten years. I'm a young man, so I got plenty of energy in me. So that was kind of our second question. What about us? I mean, we got to, I'm not going to sell my house, that's for sure. I love where I live. So what do I do about that, Lord? And so I I mentioned to you, I went down to Southern California to visit my sister, and uh, as most of you know, Gil Gravel and Gloria, our missionary friends and global strategists that we actually get to be a part of, is so cool, uh, live really close, literally 10 minutes from my sister's house. And so Pam said, hey, Alex, while you're down there, you need to to call Gil, get together with him, kind of share what you're sensing God's doing, and get some counsel. He's a good, trusted friend, he's a godly man, he's been around, and he's going to give you some good counsel. So I did. I, I called him, I said, Gil... Can we get together? I'll be here for about seven days, eight days. And he says, man, you got one chance. I'm leaving for Dallas to go to this conference. I'll be gone for a week. By the time I get back, you'll be gone. So it's tomorrow. That's it. Can we do lunch tomorrow? I said, absolutely, we'll do it. So I got together with Gil, and uh, I shared what we were noticing here. Many of the things that um, I just shared with you, I shared with him, how impressed we were. And then I said, but Gil, I, I think it's just kind of weird. You know, I don't have many people who've gone before me where they've been full-time vocational pastors, and then they step down and, and go back to working in the secular world. I just don't have any examples. So let me just kind of share what I stand. I, I feel like I, I have ministry in me. I'm an evangelist at heart. I love Jesus. I will wherever I go. I'm going to be salt and light in the church and outside. That's just who I've been designed to be. So wherever I go to work, I just want to be the... the best employee I could possibly be. I want my boss to succeed. I want the company to profit. I want to make friends with everybody I could, be available to care and love on people just like I do here, and uh, so I, I don't think I'm going to be in ministry full-time. anymore. I think I'm going to go get a real job because, you know, ministers only work on Sundays, so... And so I began describing uh, what I sensed about how I just want to make somebody else a great success and then through my life and through my example perhaps get them to question, how do I come up with all this energy and love and desire and respect and, and stuff and maybe I could tell them about Jesus. And he said, and, and as I'm sharing my story, Gil's eyes are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. <laughs> and here's what he said. He goes, Alex, you're a, a fun." I said, Gesundheit. <laughs> Gesundheit. He says, no, 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 you're a safan. It's a Hebrew word, T-S-A-P-H-A-N. It's, it's in Psalm 83, where God is describing his people Israel, and he says, you are my hidden ones. You are my hidden ones. You're the ones that I send in to cultures sort of underground, and people don't really know who you are or why you do what you do, but you have influence. And Gil said, like, for instance, uh, Joseph was a safan." He served an Egyptian king, totally pagan culture. Daniel was at Siphon, served the Babylonian king, totally pagan culture. Esther was at Siphon, served the Persian king, totally pagan cultures. But all three of those had influence and changed the course of history for those three countries. And he said, you know, this conference I'm going to in Dallas tomorrow, here's what it's all about. I've been invited to be one of the keynote speakers, and there will be missions organizations from around the world. The Southern Baptist Mission is like the largest mission-sending organization. Uh, Rick Warren is sending people from his church. In fact, Rick Warren is going to chair the little, uh, the conference, as well as, he told me about this uh, prep meeting that he got together with all of the speakers a couple of weeks prior. And uh, Gil was saying, you know, this is going to be my message um, that missions is going to have to change once again. It is numerically impossible to think all the missionaries on the planet will ever be able to catch up with the growth of population. The world's just growing too fast for our current methods to work. We will never reach the world for Christ at our current rate. So he said, what I'm going to be sharing with, with the group is... Uh, that we need every Christian to be a missionary, every Christian. That's the only way we can keep up with the numerical growth of the population. And so he's going to begin, and he hadn't done it yet, but he said, I'm going to tell him about the Stefan, the hidden ones. So he's sharing this with his little conference team before the event, and Rick Warren pipes up and he says, Gil, that's exactly what I hear the Lord saying too. He said, in fact, I got a phone call recently from a Chinese businessman who is a CEO of his own country in China. And he called me one day, and I just happened to be available at my church, and, and somebody put me through, and um, he said, Rick, I just read Purpose Driven Life, and I just gave my life to Jesus. Okay, that's his work, his book. I just gave my life to Jesus, and I was just wondering, are you by any chance going to be in China in the near future? He goes, I can't believe it. Next week, I'm going to be in Beijing. <laughs> and he said, well, I would like to meet you, Rick Warren. And I want to tell you about my experience. So Rick told the story in this little group with Gil, and he came to the man's office. The man shared his salvation experience. Rick said it was as genuine and pure and real as any encounter with God you could have. And then he looked at Rick, and he said, Rick, I think I'm supposed to be a pastor. And Rick said, no, 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 no. Don't even think about it. How many people work in your company? He said, oh, 3,500. And he said, that's your church. That is your church. Don't go hide in some building where nobody can find you. Stay right where you are, because you are at Safan. So I'm thinking, so anyway, I'm going through this whole conversation with Gil, and, you know, we had asked God for a confirmation. And Gil's eyes said, I mean, he actually said, you're the third person I've met in the last month who's doing this, stepping out of full-time ministry, going back into the working world. Just for the purpose of Christ. I said, wow, I feel good about that. (laughs) And so I just want you to know, I think God's up to something. And it's actually kind of, I think it's going to be a snowball effect where it's not just me, not just Gil or a few others. I think God's, the way he does the kingdom in the next generation is going to be different. And we'll still need churches. still need tent meetings. still need evangelists. We still need events, concerts, and all of that. But uh, I think it's time for all of us the new thing that God's doing, he wants to give birth to sapons all around the world. And I believe I'm called to be one of those. And I'm so excited. It doesn't make me special. It just turns my assignment. And so when I come to church on Sundays, every once in a while, I have a story. Hey, guess what God did at work? And um, I hope you have some of those stories, too. So we came back from California, and I was working in our garden. I think I was turning compost into the soil or something. Really fun job. And, uh, you know, those kind of jobs, your brain just kind of takes off. And my brain generally takes off into a song. You know, the songs, they just kind of go on and over and over and over. And it was driving me crazy. And and I didn't even consciously know what I was singing until I stopped to hear myself. And it was... I realized it was a song I learned in fifth grade. My choir teacher in fifth grade tried to teach us. He was always like into the classics and big music and complicated stuff. And so um, the line I kept singing over and over again went like this. It went, two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry, I could not travel both. And being just one traveler, there I stood. To where they went in the undergrowth. And so I was telling Pam, I said, Honey, here's the song I've been singing. She, she goes, How do you remember that stuff? <laughs> Crazy. I said, Yeah, isn't that a poem? She goes, Yeah, it's Robert Frost. It's Robert Frost. It's called um, The Road Less Traveled. The Road Not Taken? The road not taken? Okay. Thank you. You're a teacher. You would know. And so I I shared that with Pam, and I said, you know how we don't have any of our peers like leading the way on what we're up to? And we feel like the Lord's saying, you take the road less traveled, the road not taken. Okay, and so a couple weeks later, um, you know, we're trying not to come to church. It was really hard. So we've been watching you online. But one Sunday, (laughs) we had to come. And... uh, (laughs) Just because the grandkids were staying at our house overnight and uh, they're going, we're going to church, right? Okay, yeah, I suppose. I'm being sarcastic. It just happened the Sunday we came was when Dana shared a story, a parable that he wrote about those two roads. Do you remember that? It was about the fruit and the, the woman who had the cart full of fruit, the other one where it's all just rocky and was dying, but it was well traveled. And so Pam and I were sitting right about where we are now. We believe God spoke to us prophetically, Dana, right through you. And I'm sure you had no idea. And um, so I'm sharing this because I think you can be confident that God has spoken to us. It's time for us to just shift gears a little bit. But you have to trust that what he's doing here in us and what he's doing for us as individuals, what he did in the manger is proof that not only he can, but he will. And finally, I think uh, reverence for the manger means trusting God to do the right thing through our overseers. Foursquare, as a church family, as a denomination, uh, is, in my opinion, one of the most quality groups of Christians I've ever met. And the reason for that is because from the top, the president, all the way down to our supervisor, whose office is in Tacoma, there's such approachability down-to-earth humility and just like no, there are no big wigs in our organization. Everybody has this mutual respect from the, the youngest pioneer pastor to the oldest saint who's retired. And so I love them and, and relationship is really Foursquare's strength as a church family. But Foursquare still has a structure that they have to follow. They, they've agreed to some certain bylaws and when this event happens, this is how we respond. And so their response when they hear that a church is going to lose a lead pastor for whatever reason, good, bad, or indifferent reasons, and they need another pastor to take his place, um, that's the supervisor's job. The local guy and Dave oversees, I'm not sure, 150 churches, so it's, it's a big job. But we know Dave pretty well, and um, he's been here. He, he actually led Pam in her ordination on a Sunday night, I think. So it's Dave's responsibility to replace me. And so um, we've been talking with Dave both in person and on the phone a little bit and um, asking him how to proceed. And he said, well, here's what I'd like to do. I'm not going to do it the way our predecessors did it. You see, back in the old days, and we both were around when this happened to people that we know and love, if a pastor had to step down for whatever reason, the brilliant wisdom of our overseers back in the day would be to just bring some rock star from some other church from somewhere around the country, and then have him step in. And for some reason, the, the uh, conventional wisdom was, let him fire everybody who's currently on the team and build his own team. That's the way to do it. Dave said, it's about the stupidest thing I ever heard. And he said, I am not going to do that at RCC. That is not who I am. He says, because I believe that what God has been doing there among you is something he wants to continue to do. I Revere and respect what God's been up to in you and through you. And I believe that what your leadership understands and knows about ministry and about one another is probably the best place to get input on who should be next. Now see, I can trust that kind of leadership. I can submit myself to an overseer who understands that it's not up to him. He's not a big power broker. The Holy Spirit is the power broker. And he gets to make the last word, to have the last word. And so if we're going to trust in the manger, I mean, did God consult you before he sent his son? No, of course not. He just did it on his own time, in his own way, and the absolute blessing of the appearance of Christ has changed all of our lives. So, if he can do the hardest thing on the planet in history, certainly he can do this. Amen? So, though we are all fallible human beings and we Submit to fallible human beings who are overseers. I I think there's safety in submission. I I believe in the chain of authority because I think it's ordained by God. So what Dave is going to do in January is come and meet with our our council and our leadership team. And that will include several of you. And he's going to interview, and he's actually done this a few times, this process with a few churches, where he's going to really ask some good questions about past, present, and future. And about what each of you think God is doing. Not all of us. We have to limit the team. But he's gonna get some feedback and try to put piece together a person that can perhaps take RCC to the next place. Well, Pam and I have already told Dave we have a recommendation. We think Kevin's the guy. And um, Dave said, I respect that, but let me just go through my process, okay? (laughs) So we have to trust what God's up to in other fallible human beings. And um, the exciting thing for us is um, we don't have to leave. Dave said that also was part of the old guard. They'd make the old pastor ditch their congregation, because there was this idea that the congregation was so trained to come to the senior pastor with problems that the, the new guy would never get any credibility. I, I don't think that's going to happen around here. If, you're, if you look at Kevin and Alex, you go, I'll take Kevin. <laughs> oh, and I'll just point you to him if you don't. So, um, so my last day on the job is January 31st. I'm paid job, and uh, soon I'll have another job, and um, come at, to church with you on Sundays and be a working stiff like you Monday through Friday. <laughs> and I am so thrilled that I've been able to be a part of something so miraculous these last 37 years. This will be my 38th Christmas. And uh, I have to admit, I'm thankful I don't have to come up with a new Christmas story, a new way to look at, a new angle on the Christmas story. Uh, But I've been thrilled, I've been so honored because um, Pam and I have been shaped by you. We've been uh, applauded by other people outside of RCC because of you, and uh, we are just so in love with you. I can't imagine going anywhere else. I cannot. I just... Going to trade places, just move over, down a couple rows. That's about it. But I'm still going to pastor people because that's who I am. I'm still going to teach. I'm still going to love people. It's just not going to be the vocation, my number one. I think Kevin might invite me to to guest speak once in a while. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. He might want a vacation once in a while. But we've got such a great team here. It's just absolutely mind-blowing. I'm so thrilled and so honored and so humbled and blessed to have been a part of this for all these years. So I trust God to do the right thing through our overseers because I have reverence for what he did in the manger. And, of course, this has been all about current family business today. But it's not a hard transition to apply this to your personal life. What new thing has God up to in you? And uh, we had a a word earlier about not being afraid, embracing what God has next. And uh, maybe you're called to be a sapon as well. I think you actually are right now. If you have a job anywhere, if you're with humans anywhere, you and I should consider ourselves one of the hidden ones that God has placed for specific purpose and influence in the people around us. So our job now is to pray that Dave will hear well, that uh, when we meet with him once or twice, that we will share well, and uh, then just get excited for what God has next. Can we stand together? Lord Jesus, I am so... Can you lock arms or join hands? Let's, uh, let's kind of be one here. Thank you, Father God. Lord, we're so thankful that you've been faithful. That's, golly, if there's one part of your character that we appreciate, it's your faithfulness. All these years, in spite of the ups and downs and the difficulties, the opposition, uh, the times when the waves were crashing on our heads, we couldn't breathe. You were faithful, Lord, and in the good times when we got to see such beautiful fruit born at the Reach Thanksgiving dinner on Wednesday night, Lord. What a rich and wonderful God and Father you've been to us. But, Lord, we know you're not finished. Lord, I pray for this church family, Lord, the individual members as well as those who have stepped up and said, hey, I will help take the reins. I will help bear the weight on my shoulders and uh, throw my hat in the ring to serve and care. I pray for wisdom and anointing, and especially, Lord, um, would you just begin to reveal revelation about the future, Lord, new directions, new changes, new uh, ways to be all that we can possibly be as your church family. We want Jesus to be not just glorified in our words, but in our actions as well. So thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for sustaining us we look forward to all that you have in the future. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. 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 Well, yay. Amen. Thank you, Lord. I, uh, I've asked Kevin if I can preach a couple times in December, and uh, we're going to stay on the theme that he chose for Christmas and then a couple more times in January. And hopefully by the end of January, we will we'll have heard from Dave Veach about uh, what happens next. So we'll keep you posted, okay? Sound good? God bless you, see you next Sunday.